Hey, Jean. It's been a while since we recorded a podcast. Um, As we've been focused on getting them published on different platforms and expanding our spiritual alchemy topics and content, but we're back at it. They should be published on iTunes and Spotify. That's probably where you're listening now or any other place you can get a podcast. So in this episode, we're addressing one of the themes that we have established for spiritual alchemy, which is intention and fulfillment. And today's discussion is all about plans, having them, making them, what to do when they don't work out, and much more. Oh, yes. Much, much more always. Because the plan, how frequently do we begin any meeting with somebody that we have set up to go, okay, so what's the plan? Constantly. Always. It's so in our day-to-day thinking that I believe we, we don't even stop to consider the origin of the word. And I love, I love digging into the history of language and where words come from and what did they really originally mean. And plan, it, it's from a Latin root, but, but the foundation of the definition is about the groundwork or the scheme. What, mm. what are you going to be building that thing on? What's the groundwork? What is the, the architectural rendering of this going to be like when we're when we know what we want to achieve and how to get there, we have a scheme or we lay groundwork. So that's what a plan is, although sometimes it seems like it's also tied to other things, right? Yeah. But- In your description of plan, it's very physical. You see it. It's a, it's um, something that you construct and you build and you can lay it out and design it. And But... In another definition of plan is having it in your brain, right? And just making up a uh, either short-term or a long-term plan in your brain and just having that constantly um, feeding back to the actions that you take day-to-day. Yeah, more tied to a project or a goal that you've got these mental constructs of what can get you from where you are to where you want to be. That's that plan. And, it, and and you're right. It isn't something that you sit down and put on graph paper. It's different. Although um, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> think about the way that we're marketed all the time to get planners. Do you have a planner? That's not something yeah. when you start, you know, when you, we're almost regardless of the job you take on, somebody gives you a calendar and the planner. They go, And what's so... <laughs> What's so funny is I constantly, like, when you're in the sales section of, like, a home store or something like that, you're always seeing the planners and the calendars for last year that are <laughs> that are on sale because they don't have any use anymore because it's all the wrong dates. And I always stop and think, like, oh, that's funny, right? Like, how, how time just goes by so quickly and the plans that you thought were so important are now just, like, on a sale rack for three ninety nine. Oh Right, because all of a sudden what was a $15 value barely is, is showing up. Although sometimes you could go, well, I can repurpose it and I could just change the dates. But, the, <laughs> but the, you know, I've done that. But the, but the idea behind planning is that you set out to achieve something and there needs to be structure and organization. Right. And, and without that, that if things are too spontaneous or too fluid, you're just going to wander aimlessly. 
Now, a lot of times there are uh, emergent moments, if you will, and when you when you do field work as an anthropologist, they they do have this term, you know, it's emergent thinking that you didn't really know what you were going to be stumbling across, but then as you've been in the culture, as you're working with stuff, it sort of bubbles up, and you go, well, I never it, that never crossed my mind, and it, it turns out to be something possibly very important in the study you're doing, but if you would have been planning to look at XYZ and not given yourself time to even be aware of looking at, out of your peripheral vision at what might be going on, you miss it because you had a predetermined plan of attack. Well, you know, there, there are a lot of different ways of thinking about planning, and, and some of them are effective and some of them may not be so effective. But short-term benefits of planning, every day, I bet you folks check the weather before they run outside because you want to yep. dress right. You want to grab the umbrella if you need it. You want to put on your wellies if it's raining or your snow boots if you need to plan because it got cold. But there's, there's value to that. You cut the stove off before you leave because you don't want to have to plan to come home to a fire. Yeah. Right? Or, or you even you plan to get a good night's sleep because you want to wake up refreshed. You know, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes even if you plan on any of these, it doesn't always work out. I mean, I've planned to get a good night's sleep and then had a really horrid night's sleep even though I went to bed. So, yeah, you know, or I, you could like last night I planned to go to bed at maybe 11, maybe 1130. And I went to bed at one, one thirty. I yeah, it just it, it was completely of my doing. But I think a lot of times plans don't really go as we expect them to. Um, and it's not always because of some external force. Well, no kidding. And, and I think sometimes when you have. Short-term plans, it's easier to make corrections really quickly. Yeah. Like, oh, I did not grab the right coat, and you run back in the house. Or sometimes even if it's more of a mid-range mid kind of a plan, you know, that is not really going to be a person I want to go out with again or something. You know, like you're planning, then you go, I don't think so. But you're not, <laughs> you know, it just it wasn't working and you can feel it. You know, I sometimes I have clients in my business like that. I'll go, I'm planning like this is going to be a, a great relationship. And you go, I am rethinking it. <laughs> so, yeah. But even even things as longer term, like career planning or academic degree work and, and stuff like that, sometimes that requires being very much looking at, at the intersection of plans. How do you plan to get the money for it? How do you plan to find the time for it? So it's like planning can have all these different aspects, right? But I think short and mid-range are a lot different than long term. Yeah, definitely. Um I remember having to try and figure out the to all the credits that I need to graduate in which areas and uh, calculating, you know, to, to build a plan in order to set a goal for the program that I wanted to complete uh, in order to then plan for the job or internship that I wanted later uh, in order to plan for having enough money later on to maybe have a family or a nice retirement. Um, I'm not thinking that far. I know there's a lot of people that do think that far. But even um, even my family 
Um, my family in France is composed of about 23 people that are on our, those people that are on our group chat, WhatsApp group chat. And man, it is just insane trying to plan this gift exchange. So I asked the question, I was like, hey, you know, are we doing a gift exchange this year? And then my aunt replied, um, sure, why don't you go ahead and do it? Or why don't you go ahead and organize it? And I was like, okay. Um, I'm really seeing how difficult that is, and I'm really grateful to her that she was doing it every other year, because it is kind of dysfunctional and crazy a lot of the times. Um, you know, I have, some of my cousins have children now that are, like, maybe old enough or not old enough to participate in the gift exchange, and, uh, you know, there's just a lot of different factors that are going into that, and it's kind of, uh, it's crazy. Planning by yourself is definitely different than planning for an entire group. Oh, my God. Um, have yes. you ever had that with family reunions or things like that that you needed to get everyone on the same page for? Well, you know, weddings. Wed- weddings can yeah. be that way. You know, and then you're going, oh, well, that's not going to really be an effective use of time or energy or anything else to get in the, in the thick of trying to sort through this. And sometimes... You're supposed to be the wedding planner and you're supposed to be trying to get this needs to happen and then that needs to happen and then the flowers don't show up or, yeah. you know, any any little thing can happen. But the more people you have involved, definitely the more complicated it gets. And I think that whether you're, you're looking at that short term, it, it's true there too, right? Because if you are trying to get everybody in a group ready to go camping, this is short term. We're looking at, did you pack the right stuff? If there are too many people that you're expected to be point person for checking on, the planning can make you crazy. Sometimes it's so much easier, isn't it? If you just take charge, you go, everybody's going to have a suitcase. Here it is. This is yours. Go. Right? But exactly. Then, and you've taken over. And I don't, I don't know about you, that, but the success with group work, especially in an academic setting... Yeah. Oh, the planning that that can take and the way that those plans can absolutely not work. It it makes me crazy. <laughs> yeah, me too. I we've all had our fair share of group work. God, <laughs> and, I'm you know, so done with group work. I, oh, I know. And I I have a tendency to want to go, look, just give it all to me. I don't care if we all get credit. I need to know it's going to get done. Right, because I feel like I have control because I'm trying to use my mind to forecast how some of this may or may not work. And sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm not right. Exactly. And actually, that's a theme that comes up quite often in this book called Stumbling on Happiness that you lent to me recently, um, which I'm so grateful for because it's such an interesting book. Um, it's nonfiction, it's by Daniel Gilbert. And it's kind of one of those books that's um, very thought-provoking and allows you to um, think differently about certain things that we, f- we face constantly in everyday life, but with a certain amount of scientific um, knowledge and facts thrown in there, which definitely give you evidence on why these phenomena are happening and things like that. So this one is called Stumbling on Happiness. It's not really much about happiness, um, but it's more about the human being's unique ability to predict the future. Um, And I'm going to just read a short excerpt from 
um, kind of about the middle of the book, page 98, a section called An Embarrassment of Tomorrows. All right, so when John Lennon asked us to imagine there's no countries, he was quick to add, it isn't hard to do. Indeed, imagination is usually effortless. When we think about the pastrami on rye that we intend to have for lunch, or the new pair of flannel pajamas that mom swears she mailed last week, we do not have to set aside a block of time between other appointments, roll up our sleeves, and get down to the serious work of conjuring up images of sandwiches and sleepwear. Rather, the moment we have the slightest inclination to consider these things, our brains effortlessly use what they know about delis and lunches and parcels and moms to construct mental pictures. Warm pastrami, dark rye, tartan plaid pajamas with bunny feet that we experience as the products of imagination. Like perceptions and memories, these mental pictures pop into our consciousness, fait accompli. We should be grateful for the ease with which our imaginations provide this useful service, but because we do not consciously supervise the construction of these mental images, we tend to treat them as we treat memories and perceptions, initially assuming that they are accurate representations of the objects we are imagining. Man, we fool ourselves. Exactly. Right? We fool ourselves, and then we're annoyed when the plan doesn't produce what we thought it should. But we were building from a flawed model to begin with. Yeah, so I would recommend um, that book to anyone who's interested in this topic. It's a... I think that his point about stumbling on happiness is really that so often it is a matter of fumbling your way to a point where you're happy, but you didn't really have the plan that got you there. Yeah, it's like when people say don't, like when you want to fall in love with someone or find someone, like don't just like go looking for a lover, don't go, like it's just going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Like, when you least expect it. And I think that's very true. I mean, if anyone who's in a long-term relationship, you know that, like, you didn't, like, set out to find someone that day and then that happened. Yeah. It just kind of, it you stumble on it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I there are other parts of that book that are really intriguing to me also. And a lot of them have to do with the way that we plan and the, the way that we anticipate how we need to get things in order to achieve a certain event or a certain circumstance in the future. And he tells the story of a, a rail, railway worker, Phineas Gage, from the middle of the 1800s. When he he was in an explosion, there was an iron rod that went through the guy's head. It entered through his left eyeball and came out the top, and it pretty well punctured his frontal lobe and destroyed that part of his brain. But he was fine otherwise, you know, but they were, they were sort of testing. He, his personality changed when that happened. And it was like the guy couldn't plan. He could talk about the present. He could talk about the past. He could engage in conversation, but he couldn't be entering that future planning space. And later studies from, I think it was the 1960s, about the impact, what, what exactly would a lobotomy do? Because that was, a, that was a treatment that a lot of people were given to kind of calm them down. Um, and it, it impacts that frontal lobe, and people with lobotomies lose the ability to plan. 
So mm. we sometimes we're working on our future selves. We're predicting. We're planning, and we're trying to engage this part of our brain. And it really is more about human cognition than about you know a feeling or an emotion because you are building that from all of this misinformation that you've provided for yourself, right? It's crazy. Yeah, and I think that's really important to remember when our plans fall apart, right? Um, So let's kind of get into this part of the podcast. What what does happen when, when plans fall apart? What does that mean? What does that entail? You know, and that, that whole, the, there's a really well-known quote um, by a, an author, Robert Burns, who he, he said, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. They don't go as planned. No matter how carefully you constructed that design, no matter how much money you spent on the planner, no matter the, the time and energy you set up if-then scenarios, they all can crumble. And I believe that travel these days is a great example of thinking about how things go awry, right? Because yeah. you get on an airplane, it's supposed to be an hour and 20 minute trip to get you from here to there. 12 hours later, you still haven't landed at the airport where you thought you were going to go and nobody's fed you and you didn't think to bring food because it was only going to be an hour and 20 minutes. You know, and there's <laughs> just like this cascading things and who who would have prepared if we, you know, I didn't bring my pillow to spend the night in the airport. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. ah, so, so travel is, is a great example to me of how we do or don't cope when things go awry because it's all about how you do the reset, right? That you are counting on income. You are counting on uh, having certain outcomes when you're working with a team. You're, you're counting on things to go the way that the plan has them going. And how quickly you can rethink, repurpose, and go, is that so? And then yeah. back out of it, you can, even you can regroup. In- right, right. And, and they're personal relationship examples all the time, right? Wedding plans, do or not, you know, they change. Uh, life yeah. plans. If, you know, people may be planning to have a family, and then they may not be able to get pregnant, you know, and then right. and then they've got to figure all of that out. Or you may not have been planning to have a family, and then you are pregnant. You know, and <laughs> then you go, ah, well, that's a different thing. You know, the the idea of whether or not your 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 family is is working, and I think family is definitely something that can be just. There's the plan. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we used to laugh, and I have a very small extended family in relative terms, but it would always be like the plan. Every time we were called together for a family event, the plan was we would show up there with our perfect little families, and it would be like this little diorama. And if anyone had a thing going on, you didn't address it because that was never yeah. part of the plan. You were quiet, yeah. and we could talk about the weather. We could talk about something that would not disrupt anything because that disruption was not part of the plan yeah god I hate that I I I get that too in my family sometimes and also thinking about um roles that people in your family are supposed to um are supposed to represent like 
um, hey, you're supposed to be my grandfather, you're supposed to be my father, you're supposed to be my mother, and you're not doing what I expected you to do, you're not being who I expected you to be, um, because, you know, everyone is different and having, having their own experiences, and it's definitely, it's definitely tough, um, and destabilizing, so, Tying. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had this one funny thing that popped into my head thinking about roles that people play um, yeah. I know that we, we're, we're always in these podcasts referring back to Angus because he is kind of the thing that brought you and me together and we have us creating spiritual alchemy and, and everything else but my, my little ball of energy younger son Angus was something he would always speak his mind and and he had a great way of doing that and sometimes you would go which role are you playing have you been my parent in a former life you know and it is like but I remember this one time when when you know he he had something that he needed to share with me and Jim and and it was about his decision not to pursue an undergraduate degree you know, he goes, I'm not gonna mm-hmm. you know, I'm not gonna do it. And and I remember Jim looking at him going, Yeah, you are and, and Angus puts his arm around Jim and he goes, Sit down, we need to have a talk. <laughs> thinking, what role do you play? You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's it was, great. It was really cute. But but we do assume a lot when we're working with this this planning thing that everybody's inside our head and they see it the same way. Yeah, and then someone comes up to you and is like, puts their arm around your shoulder and is like, hey, I've got my own plan. And, you know, you're not necessarily part of this and you don't have a, a say in this because this is how I want my life to go. Yeah. Um, Woo. But yeah, yeah, tying this all back into grief and losing someone and the grief to purpose journey, everything that spiritual alchemy is about, you know, you start asking yourself, how am I supposed to make plans for the future that are supposed to stick when all of the plans that I had with this person that I loved all fell through when they, when they died, when they went away? Um, you know, how am I supposed to make new relationships and new living situations? Like all the things that you have to plan after your, um, after your, or your loved one, uh, passes away um, is is inc- an incredible feat. I mean, plus feeling betrayed, losing all that trust and confidence that you had in the, in your future, um, remembering how much they promised you that it would all work out and everything would be fine. Um, it's it's definitely very very difficult. And planning has a lot to do with uh, grief to purpose. You know, and in so many ways, the different when when Angus passed away, the the feeling of wait, what's going on? I mean, I know that you and I've had that discussion about I, you know, feeling a little bit mad, feeling like, okay, how dare you? Exactly. How, how dare you leave me in this circumstance? But it's it's really interesting for me to to think about. What what could be going on in, in his spirit mind right now as as Angus realizes that the plans that he made are all changed? You know, because it's like we look at that. I look at mostly of mine going, you left me in a lurch. But he was a planner, right? Because yeah. I think you were you shared a whole bunch of that with me. Yeah. Um, well, I wrote in this. Um, I don't write a lot, but 
sometimes I write to kind of get my feelings out and um, I think you encouraged me the most to write a blog and to put it up and publish it and everything. So anyway, I wrote something about Angus and how uh, what we did together and how his time with me impacted me and everything that happened with his death. And um, so here's a passage from it. My best friend was gone. I was angry with him for leaving me when he had always told me he'd be there. Every day he would gush about some other thing that he learned in his books and on the internet. What's the best way to optimize my sleeping patterns? What is astral projection and how do I do it? What does it take to become a speed reader? I mean, <laughs> where did humans really come from? What are the best strategies to start a web design business? Does my mindset really affect my success? What are the physics of water? I mean, he had... 5, 10, and 20-year plans. Oh. He knew where he wanted to go, and he was working on the ways that he would get there. So Angus is an example of someone who planned, and that was the way that he worked and that his mind worked, and because it allowed him to set goals and to accomplish those goals, and that gave him confidence to go even further and to help other people. And and honestly, that idea of having clarity of purpose, being able to draw confidence from that clarity of purpose, and then being able to commit and follow through, I think that's all tied with the issues and, and the objectives of intention and fulfillment. You know, that we go, that's that's where I'm headed. That's what I want. You know, so you plan for what you're supposed to do as best you can, and when all things do fall apart and you're left with the pieces, you have a better sense of going, okay, now that's where I'm headed. This is where I'm headed. How will I get there? Um, I, this is a little bit of a random idea, too, but did you ever play with Legos when you were a kid? Yeah, all the time. Okay, Legos. When you get the Lego box... There's a picture on it, and there's instructions. There's a plan for how you can build the creation on the box. But how frequently do you really get the Legos to build the thing on the box? I mean, you might <laughs> build the thing on the box, but what do you really do with it, you know? Yeah. I actually, with my brother, we didn't do that. So we um, would get donated to us all these Legos from other people kids that didn't want them anymore that were too old for them anymore or at least we got like one big donation um, when we were little and so we just had this enormous box full of pieces so what we would do is just we didn't have any any like package boxes where we could follow instructions we just kind of made whatever we wanted to do well, so I think that there's um, I think that, that that that's a good kind of metaphor for what we're talking about how some people are more planners and some people are more you know, kind of make it as you go. Yeah, but think about this too. It all depends on the way the package is. You know, it, it all depends on the way the Legos arrive. Like when you get this problem, because a lot of planning is about problem solving. A lot. The reason you have a plan is because you go, I need to get from here to there. How will I do it? Not that it's a problem in a negative way, but it's it's one of these puzzles, yeah. right? And so sometimes you get the puzzle given to you in a box and you go, oh, okay. And this is what I'm supposed to do, but maybe I'm not going to pay any attention. Sometimes the puzzle doesn't come to you nicely packaged. Exactly. Right? But 
I will tell you at our house, it ended up being two of those enormous Tupperware big bin yeah. containers full of Legos from years and years and years because everything just ended up being in the thing, right? But yeah. sometimes making a plan to find a purpose, finding that clarity is what you want. And that's why it's sometimes good to have some ideas of what to do. Yeah, because when you're in the midst of grief and especially as we study with spiritual alchemy, when you get out of that sort of like initial shock and grief and cr- crying constantly, just um, and you and you're trying to get to the other side, you're trying to find purpose or meaning or what you're supposed to do next. Taking all that emotional energy that you've had pent up and turning that into kinetic energy and action and purpose. Um, that's a great way to start making a plan for not what you're supposed to do, but what you're supposed to do, what you like in, in specifically you, because you can't, you can't just make a, um, a plan that works for everyone. It's got to be tailored to you. So how do we, how do we make plans to find purpose after grief? I think, there's a lot of ways you could go about this, um, but Jean and I have some, maybe some tips and tricks that worked for us. Um, so first of all, I would suggest that you have to understand that and know that what happened to you doesn't have to define the rest of your life, and it won't. It will affect every part of your life, but you're not condemned to live in a dark hole with all your traumas and worries and sadness because you still have a chance at life while your loved one doesn't. You have a chance to make a difference and you're responsible for your own happiness and you're responsible for your own planning. So thinking about what your loved one would have wanted for you and realizing that's that's also what you want for yourself, actually that's probably the thing that made the most sense to me and clicked in my, in my brain. So as far as targets and commitments goes, sometimes there is more of a structure that you need because you can almost be like a deer in the headlights if you're if you go I want I I need to do this, uh, but and and then you don't move on it. You don't have dates that you set. You don't have something to help you be accountable to to put it into action. And I think in terms of a grief-to-purpose model that could be useful is if you do set 90-day targets, whether you're planning to work with community engagement or are doing some work with other uh, people or activities, you have a big target that you're shooting for, that you're aiming toward. And then you have, within that 90 days, um, 30-day goals, you know, make it something that is achievable. And you know what? If the 90-day target is too far downrange and you're not able to get it or you already feel like you're freaking out because you're not going to get there, move it closer. You set the target. Rearrange it. You know, yeah. don't don't let that be the point of freak out. Like, oh, I'll never get there. Just go, well, it's mine. Move Plans it change all the time. Plans change all the time. And I think that that's another one of those misconceptions that we have, that you set a plan and you better stick to it. You know, if you set a plan and it's going wrong and you, you're damn determined to keep it going, you will, you will end up with a mess. 
So I think it's really important to be aware of things and do mid-course corrections. Um, but having the 30-day goals within a 90-day target and then set up weekly commitments. Have, have you know, This is Monday and this is when I start and either you go until Sunday or maybe you just do it for the weekday, but you have something that you're able to document and, and look at progress because that's how you can restructure and reset. And then... Having a daily to do, even if it's not, an, you know, every 15 minutes, but you at least have a feeling of, you know, today, this is something that I want to get to. Even if it means today, maybe what I'm going to do is be totally spontaneous, but that you have a sense of what today will bring. Yeah, I think um, we both agree that focusing on your skills, practicing what you're good at, hobbies that you love, just really getting into those as much as possible. Um, if you have a job, trying to make the most out of that job every single day. Take the your favorite part of your job and make it the best it can be. It's a great way to boost your confidence. So for that, you can try those 30-day goals or 30-day challenges or even setting a time for one day a week. Sunday afternoons, I'm going to play guitar because I'm going to learn guitar and that's really what I want to do. So that's for me, for example, when I had to take time off after Angus died I out of, out of college. I had to take a semester off and I went back to see my mom and I didn't have a lot to do. I was All of my days were pretty much empty except for my heart was... Actually, my heart was also pretty empty, so I needed something to fill it up, and I needed to do something. So for me, I borrowed a guitar from a friend, and I learned to play, and I literally was playing like two to three hours a day just because I really had nothing else to do, and I didn't want to do anything with my mom. I just kept turning her down, and eventually I got really good at guitar and much more than I thought I would ever be, and... um. It made me really happy in just the small things, and it made me more confident in my skills. But also doing things for others, volunteering and community engagement, just like Jean was talking about. Finding out what causes you're passionate about, um, whether it's caring for animals or reading to elderly people or working with an organization that wants to find a cure for cancer or any other type of sickness that you're interested in. Um, these are really good things that we can do um, to put in our plans, put in our agendas, whether it's day-to-day, -day, whether it's weekly, whether it's monthly, um, in order to just find a little bit more purpose and meaning and, and fill, up your, fill up your heart for yourself. Filling up your heart for yourself, but not filling up your day because you're trying to get into some type of avoidance. Because I think that's true. where <laughs> Very planning true. can kind of become the overwhelm. And it can become a crutch. And it can be that, that one day that, oh my God, I don't think I have anything planned. You absolutely fall apart because you've been relying on every little thing needing to be in its place. And, and in a way, that's really what we were talking about, right? Yeah. That when plans aren't there, that they, they go crazy, but that doesn't mean that everything is negative. You know, that sometimes when plans get all undone, 
Maybe you had a layover in an airport and you actually met somebody really cool because you're all stuck in the airport and it ended up being okay. Or that sometimes just things are falling apart and, you know, you really didn't like what you were cooking anyhow. And and if it's all flopping and everything, then then just change. Just do something different. And And it can be okay. But sometimes it's that mindful awareness that you go I have a choice here and I my intention is to get to this big thing that I'm after whether is it really the food that I'm preparing or is it the experience of having dinner together what Mm -hmm. is my intention and then to get back to that and and make it work so plans can be great plans can be all falling apart life can be spontaneous and that can be a fun way to let it happen too That's a great ending note for our podcast today on plans. So thank you, Jean, for spending this time with me, and I look forward to our next conversation. Likewise. It was great. You know, it was so fun that we had this planned. All right. (laughs) Catch you later. (laughs) So if you are listening to this podcast, please make sure to share it with your friends and give us a rating or a review because that really helps a lot. And if you have a question that you'd like to ask, please do that on the Anchor app and we could include it in a future episode. Subscribe to our podcasts wherever you get them and we'll talk to you very soon.